will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Grace Cowboy and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Welcome everybody, Pastor Eli James here. Uh, this is Restoration Hour for May 15, 2021. Are we fighting for our vital interests, or are we f- simply falling for more Jewish scams? Wow, what a crazy world we're living in. Jewish scams everywhere, all around us, and everybody takes it seriously. <laughs> Unbelievable. And the only thing we can really be thankful for, those of us in Christian identity, those who are truly awake, is that we are aware of these scams and know better. And But I've gotten so many calls and talked to so many people who have tried to warn their friends and relatives not to take the jab, but they're taking it anyway. And these are very good people, uh, people who you know are, are very friendly and generous and kind and what have you, but they're taking the jab. They're not uh, paying attention to reality. They're not taking a, a cognizance of the scriptural warnings of wolves in sheep's clothing and the prophecies of pharmakia, the evils of pharmakia and the mark of the beast. So uh, too many white people and people around the world are simply not paying attention to the scams, the Jewish scams that are running around the world. So tonight we're going to talk uh, about, well, uh, media scams, and then we're also going to talk about how the the pandemic uh, has been manufactured from whole cloth. So uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But first, I want to talk about when uh, what's going on in India? The mainstream media has been blasting stories about the pandemic is so horrible in India that there's funeral pyres lighting up the night sky all over India is the rhetoric we're hearing. Okay, and this is uh, <laughs> the World Health Organization, which is nothing but the world. Uh, death organization. Replace the H with a D. The World Death Organization and drop the L and you got the real motivation. But uh, we're uh, so, so many of our people are flummoxed by the lies. They, they, They fall for con games. Our people, especially white people, fall for con games uh, created by Jews. They trust Jews, and they don't trust white white nationalists and white separatists. 
because we're supposedly evil, blah, blah, blah. So uh, we are living in a situation in which everything's upside down. Truth is regarded as lies. Lies are regarded as truth. And anybody who's speaking truth is uh, called a kook. So uh, your kook in charge, <laughs> Pastor Eli James, is... Uh, I guess I'm used to this. I guess I'm used to being laughed at <laughs> for most of my tenure as a Christian identity researcher, scholar, etc. Because outsiders don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. So uh, we're going to talk about, first of all, what's going on in India, the mainstream blowhard <laughs> media. <laughs> telling us, oh, that uh, India is ablaze with uh, with bonfires of dead people dying of COVID. Okay, I'm going to read a mainstream article, which is very short, and then I'm going to read some tweets from people who actually live in India and who are saying, no, it's all fake. So this is from Dawn.com. And uh, this is kind of a mainstream, it's a Associated Press. So this is definitely mainstream. In pictures, India's virus catastrophe worsens with horrible weeks ahead. A nice, uh, fearful uh, headline. Now it's showing uh, that there's a, uh, a couple of bonfires here. It's not showing any bodies, but we're assuming that there are bodies underneath the uh, teepee-shaped pieces of wood that are supposedly covering dead bodies. But it doesn't show any dead bodies. So is this whole thing staged? Anyway, if the story says, The country has witnessed scenes of people dying outside overwhelmed hospitals and funeral pyres lighting up the night sky. Wow, I mean, visions of horror, right? COVID-19 infections and deaths are mounting with alarming speed in India with no end in sight to the crisis and a top expert warning that the coming weeks in the country of nearly 1.4 billion people will be quote-unquote horrible. Did I tell you this is fake news? I'm going to prove it to you. Let's continue. India's official count of coronavirus cases surpassed 20 million on Tuesday, nearly doubling in the past three months, while deaths officially have passed 220,000. Why would they have doubled in the past three months? I'm going to get to that after I read these first two articles. Staggering as those numbers are, the true figures are believed to be far higher. Oh, more fear. The undercount... Uh, and the undercount and apparent reflection of the troubles in the healthcare system. No, they've been following the advice of Bill Gates. That's the problem. The country has witnessed scenes of people dying outside, overwhelmed hospitals and funeral pyres lighting up the night sky. Infections have surged in India since February in a disastrous turn blamed on more contagious variants of the virus as well as government decisions to allow massive crowds to gather for Hindu religious festivals and political rallies before state elections. Oh, well, you, you know, politics precedes uh, health, right? 
Okay, so here's another photograph of people standing around these bonfires, but I still don't see a single fire. I mean, a single body. So I'm going to uh, copy this and put it in the chat room so people can see what I'm looking at here. It, uh, it all looks very horrific. However, I don't see any bodies. <laughs> I just don't see any bodies. Where are the bodies? And uh, it, uh, yeah, this kind of stuff is easily faked. And uh, we are living in times where almost all news, all news is fake. It's all designed to you know, uh, deceive the masses without a doubt. So I'm going to scroll down past these two horrifying pictures. They're lowering, they're lowering a, a casket into the ground. Now, if the body's been cremated, why a casket? That doesn't make any sense. And here's a photograph of an uh, Indian comforting a sick parent, whatever, sick relative. And then there's uh, people throwing wreaths on a body, which is not burning, but it's st stacked on top of a pile of logs. That's the only body I've seen so far in any of these pictures. And there's people praying outside in the distance. And there's a uh, another uh, a cart with presumably a body or two on it. So you know, there's nothing here to show that there's actual bodies, <laughs> right? Absolutely nothing here to show there's actual bodies. So this is a type of uh, uh, creepy, creepy uh, news, uh, snooze we get from mainstream Jews, <laughs> right? That's it. Okay, so, and you can go online and uh, find all kinds of stories to this effect. But... Here I'm going to share from a site called uh, PL, well, it's OPOP India, OP India. And I'm going to share this with the people in the chat room as well, OP India. And here's what people on the ground in India are saying. From calling... COVID pandemic a hoax to sharing unrelated image of burning pyres to panic mongering. Here are some tweets government of India got removed. Okay, so apparently the uh, the government is not liking the fact that uh, people in India are counteracting this fake news, this globalist propaganda. While the world battles the Chinese coronavirus pandemic, we in India have our own set of demons to fight. Many social media influencers, including former journalists, filmmakers, and even doctors, have taken to social media in the past few days to misuse this opportunity to panic monger and stoke communal tensions. In response to it, the government of India on Saturday asked Twitter to remove such problematic posts from its platform, lest it lead to a dangerous situation. So actually, the government has removed these panic mongering posts. While the leftist media has cried foul and claimed that the government of India trying to stop them from spreading dangerous misinformation is an attack on their freedom of speech, the truth is far from it. Here are some of the sample tweets and social media posts that were asked to be removed. Filmmaker Avinash Das, who directed Swara Baksar, starrer Anarkali of Ara, 
shared an old, unrelated video of patients and claimed it was from Gujarat. Okay, so the stories have pictures of unrelated uh, events. Okay, so the, the picture that's being shown here by Avinash Das shows a bunch of, well, it's either crisis actors or people just lying on mats, <laughs> right? There's no indication that these people are dead or dying. It's just a photograph of a bunch of people lying on mats, kind of like the story we covered from Australia a couple years ago of the guy supposedly you know, going on a rampage and killing people in Australia when we found that there was no blood, <laughs> there were really no dead bodies. It was crisis actors sold as a terrorist event. Okay, so uh, Ashtut, Ashutash Mishra says, where is it? Can you share location, please? What's the location of this photograph? Why are there no funeral pyres? Are these supposedly dead bodies? Avinash Das, replying to journal Ashutash, says, let me scroll down here, mocking the Gujarat model, Das claimed that the above image was from Tapi district in Gujarat, where patients were being treated in tents. However, this image was from Navapur, Maharashtra. Okay, so more fake photographs. And supposedly a YouTube alert from the same group of people lying on the ground. No funeral pyres. Uh, We're supposed to believe that these are dead bodies getting ready to be cremated. No evidence of cremation, or, yeah, well, cremation, I guess, is burning. Navapur Express News says, published on 19 April 2021. As can be seen, the above video is from Navapur, Maharashtra, and not Gujarat. Since the filmmaker shared a fake image, his tweet was asked to be removed, as it may have led to panic and fear amongst Gujarat residents, especially Tapi District. Now, the Avinash Das tweets are in uh, uh, Sanskrit, I I believe, and so I can't read those. (laughs) Anyway, the uh, author says, Similarly, filmmaker Vinod Kapri, too, shared an unrelated video of a funeral pyre and claimed that every house has become a cremation ground. Now, here's an image of, I don't know, it looks like a street with a bunch of uh, debris on fire. (laughs) Well, it's actually smoldering. It's not burning. Again, not a single body burning. Not a single body burning. Vinod Capri was earlier accused by his colleague of faking an adoption story of a girl child for self-promotion and marketing of his film. In April 2020, at the beginning of pandemic, he was found spreading falsehoods regarding availability of PPE kits and protective gear. I think PPE means uh, personal protective uh, equipment. Okay, and so this this tweet from Vinod Capri has been withheld in India in response to a legal demand. Okay, so prove that, that what you're sharing is real. real. Vinod Capri says, this will melt your heart. Three-year-old Rudrakash, Rudraksh is suffering from rare spinal muscular atrophy, which costs 18 core injection. 
When I asked him to come with me, his response brought tears. Please help. Okay. So the the author of this article says this guy is just fear-mongering and tear-mongering, right? Sympathy-mongering to promote his own uh, his own causes. His tweet st- now, now stands removed. Kafil Khan, a controversial doctor who is an accused in the Gorakhpur tragedy, whatever that is, shared an unrelated image of funeral pyres as well. He appears to have deleted his tweet. So here's an image of a bunch of people standing around, and there are smoldering, smoldering piles of wood, but a bunch of people walking around, no evidence of any dead bodies being burned whatsoever. Okay? Continuing, political activist Hans Raj Mina on 12 April 21, tweeted that all through the coronavirus pandemic, neither did he buy a mask or has he worn one. Quote, in one year, I have been to 30 big cities across the country. I am not afraid of this stupid illness, nor do I scare my people or make them appear cowards. Unquote. He tweeted claiming that coronavirus is a conspiracy. Smart guy. Okay. These next two items are in Sanskrit as well. So, uh, okay, uh, this is the next English post here. Rapid antigen and PCR. Ad is get tested. We offer PCR and antigen C19 tests seven days a week. Schedule online. Book now. The hashtag was trending on Twitter with thousands of tweets and retweets. More and more people joined in to claim that coronavirus is a conspiracy. One Twitter user... They must be listening to Eurofolk Radio. One Twitter user, Masum Kaifi, claimed that coronavirus may be a conspiracy to bring down human population and was deliberately spread. That is, coronavirus was deliberately spread, not the rumor that it's a conspiracy. Okay. Similarly, one Twitter user, K.S. Siddiqui, claimed that neither has he followed any rule and neither has anyone he knows has ever heard of this illness called coronavirus. Quote, I have only heard of it on TV, unquote. He tweeted, adding that coronavirus is a conspiracy. One more person tagging Hans Rajmina had questioned the need of coronavirus vaccine while claiming coronavirus is a conspiracy. Thus, quite clearly, the government of India asked Twitter to remove the tweets for spreading misinformation. Twitter had earlier adopted an abrasive stance during the farmer protest, saying that they won't remove tweets which could create a law and order situation in the country. The Indian government was not pleased with the stance and made it clear that the social media platform had to obey domestic law. So it's very clear that Twitter is trying to spread fear. They're fear-mongering. And, of course, the entire global pandemic requires all of this fear-mongering from the Jews' news. There's absolutely no doubt about that that's what uh, is going on here. All right. So now, now here's what really is happening in India. And this is, well, this is a really long URL. I'll see if I can copy it uh, for everybody here. Uh Still copying. <laughs> That's a long URL. See if this uh, 
we'll we'll post in the chat room. Looks like it did, uh, or I see if uh, maybe somebody can open it. Anyway, Seymour Rocks. Thanks. Would be interesting to read if you find it. I just saw this too. Eight weeks after jabs start, deaths go stratospheric. Okay? So, the deaths in India are related not to COVID-19, but to the Gates jab. Get it, folks? But mass media must be they must be told, are told, to blame it on COVID. Do not blame it on the jab. Okay? So here's a graph which uh, talks about new cases, old cases, new deaths, smooth total deaths. But you see a spike in the number of deaths. I think it's per, per million. Yeah, total cases per million. But it's only 100 cases per million which is not very many people. But anyway, that number spiked from virtually zero, from virtually zero to uh, 100 cases per million. And, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't show a, a date timeline on the bottom of the graph. In any, in any case, the title is When India Stopped Prescribing Ivermectin, and started vaccinating, the deaths shot up. This is the actual headline title of the the article on See More Rocks. Yeah, I see rocks. When India stopped prescribing ivermectin and started vaccinating, the deaths shot up. Thank you very much. Back in January, all talk was about ivermectin a cheap and effective remedy being used in India. However, the attention went onto the vaccine, and since then the deaths have gone up and up, and there are indications this might be repeated elsewhere. So they're telling us that the deaths are due to the so-called vaccine because people stopped using ivermectin. Claire Louise Stevens says, Doctors in India stopped prescribing ivermectin when the vax rollout came in. Doesn't take a genius to work out why their death rate shot up suddenly after a whole year of having it under control. Sea Dog says, Thanks. That would be interesting to, to read if you find it. I just saw this too. Eight weeks after jabs start, deaths go stratospheric. And here's the chart again. And oh man. Uh, it's uh, it's going into 2021, April 15th. April 15th is the last date. And the shot up, the shoot up began in March. It leveled off very low from February to March 9th, it looks like. And then it shot up catastrophically. India's miraculous ivermectin COVID treatment is only $3 per person. Oh, man. That's why it should not be allowed. Because Big Pharma can't make on any money at a measly 3 bucks a person. And this is a story about 
Dr. Pierre Corey, founding member of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, uh, who has testified before the U.S. Senate on the effectiveness of ivermectin. Of course, this story was totally ignored by Jews News. Written by Patrick Delaney. Doctor believes ivermectin drug can help India stop COVID second wave. Dr. Surya Kant Tripathi, head respiratory medicine department at King George Medical University in Lucknow, believes this drug could help take control over the novel coronavirus. And we here at Eurofolk Radio agree. Ivermectin is an antiparasitic drug that has been beneficial in treating various kinds of tropical diseases, including on- onchoceriasis, <laughs> helminthiasis, and scabies. The creators of the drug, Omura and Campbell, were even awarded the Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine in 2015. Addressing the lack of available clinical data on on ivermectin, Kant states that around eight trials out of the total of 66 trials are currently underway in India, with none showing any major side effects. And there's a headline, How to Kill a Cure, the War on Ivermectin. About six weeks ago, the World Health Organization promised to issue updated guidance about ivermectin, an antiparasitic drug that many believe is a panacea for COVID. Quote, this drug has broad-spectrum activity, unquote, and this is why it can be used at the early stage of the disease, trying to prevent the severe disease. But of course, they said, as they have said from the start, more studies are needed to determine if it actually works. Of course, this is the standard line from Big Pharma for a drug that actually does work. Quote, we need more clinical trials, unquote. Yeah, well, why don't they do those trials? Hmm? That was their guidance six months ago. That was their guidance six weeks ago. And that is the same horse manure they regurgitated when they finally issued their updated guidance Wednesday on the heels of some Philippine-specific guidance who had issued the very day before, serving to muddy these murky waters. Okay, we all. this is the standard f- f- big pharma response to vaccines as well, as to whether uh, anything else besides vaccines work. Well, we, we haven't done any studies. We need to do more studies. Yeah, well, they never do the studies. Why don't they do the studies? Yeah, Jeffrey says... <laughs> They'll need an altimeter to chat, to plot the rest of the chart. It's shooting up so high. This is the craziness that we're living under, folks. Oh, man. So, so the basic thrust of this article is that when India stopped using ivermectin, that's when deaths shot up. But even those deaths aren't enough to uh, inflict Hundreds of funeral pyres, fake news, as if there was an ongoing pandemic of hundreds of thousands of bodies that need to be burned. Okay, and I watched a CNN video about this, and the the reporter, a female reporter, was saying how awful the the the, the situation is, but she was standing in a, an area where there were no fires. Again, you saw piles of wood, 
but you soon see absolutely no fires burning. And yet she's claiming that this is a, a serious situation with bodies burning everywhere. So again, uh, when you, whenever you see a mainstream news report, just check for the details. Make sure what they're, what they're reporting is really happening. Okay? It's amazing. For weeks, healthcare professionals, ivermectin advocates, and early treatment activists had lobbied the organization to be hashtag Be Brave WHO. But some of those people are now realizing that it was not cowardice driving these acts, but rampant, unchecked corruption. Others take the more generous view that the WHO was only negligent, issuing counterproductive guidance from the belated start of the pandemic when they advised against travel restrictions, asserted that there was no evidence for human-to-human transmission, insisted there was no evidence for asymptomatic transmission, and that it was rare before walking that back, played dumb about the implications of what aerosolized means, adamantly denied that the virus is airborne, (laughs) finally admitted the virus might be aerosolized and airborne, at least the weaponized version of it is, but couched it in mealy-mouthed, weaselly wording. I love this. This author is great. Saying they're opening or they're open to emerging evidence on modes of transmission. Yeah, they're always open to emerging evidence, but they never find any, so they have to fake it. Said that masks create a false sense of security and advised against their use for the general population before recommending in favor of mask ma- mass masking and demanded that people refrain from even wondering about the origin of the virus allowed, through your mask, no less, saying that the potential stigma was actually more dangerous than the virus itself. Well, I agree with that. The stigma is more dangerous than the virus itself. Why is anybody listening to the WHO? This is an organization that redefined pandemic and quietly deleted the definition from their website weeks before declaring a level 6 pandemic in 2009, explaining, just as the DNC asserted in court that the definition of impartial is too difficult to define. (laughs) I love it. The word impartial is too, yeah, for Democrats. Impartial means unprejudiced and not have a pre a pre-existing opinion. Okay, that the word the word impartial is too difficult to define. The definition of what a pandemic is is too elusive to have nailed down, then backtracked and said actually it's not too elusive. But by classical definitions, the pandemic they declared after revising the definition of pandemic was already a classic pandemic anyway. So the controversy was beside the point. Again, from their own website, it says, What sparked the controversy? Since 2003, the top of the WHO Pandemic Preparedness homepage has contained the following statement, quote, An influenza pandemic occurs when a new influenza virus appears against which the human population has no immunity, resulting in several simultaneous epidemics worldwide with enormous numbers of deaths and illness, unquote. However, on 4 May 2009, scarcely one month before the H1N1 pandemic was declared, 
the web page was altered in response to a query from a CNN reporter. The phrase, quote, enormous numbers of deaths and illness, unquote, had been removed, and the revised web page simply read as follows, quote, an influenza pandemic may occur when a new influenza virus appears against which the human population has no immunity, unquote. No claims of mass infections, mass deaths, mass injuries, blah, blah, blah. Months later, the Council of Europe would cite this alteration as evidence that the WHO changed its definition of pandemic influenza to enable it to declare a pandemic without having to demonstrate the intensity of the disease caused by the H1N1 virus. Okay, and we here at Eurofolk Radio have been telling that whole episode was fake as well. Just recently, the World Health Organization altered their definition of herd immunity. <laughs> They're constantly, this is what the Jews do. They change the definitions of the Bible's words to suit them and to confuse us. So the, the WHO altered their definition of herd immunity to make it such that it would be impossible to achieve without mass vaccination campaigns. <laughs> saying, quote, herd immunity is achieved by protecting people from a virus with a vaccine, not by exposing them to it, unquote. Well, how how are you going to have natural immunity? Natural immunity can only occur with a real pandemic or a real disease. But no, they're saying you have to have a vaccine to achieve herd immunity. But then there's also the phenomenon of uh, uh, acute reactions to diseases by vaccinated people. I forget what the terminology is for that. But people who've been vaccinated against a particular disease, when they do get it, get a much worse version of it than had they not been vaccinated. This is another one of the horrible side effects of vaccines. Vaccines, folks. (laughs) <laughs> so trust the trust the scientists right the, the the paid off scientists okay and adolf richter posts a another possible va- covid vaccine antidote is that a, a story about ivermectin also i'll take a look after this this really fantastic article here about uh how uh the, the mainstream media and uh Governments and big pharma just lie to us constantly. So they alter definitions constantly in order to cover their butts, right? By no, we didn't lie. We just changed the definition. (laughs) This constant shifting of goalposts in pursuit of their end is typical of the World Health Organization. But worse, it is endlessly parroted and echoed by health officials all over the world. As a result of this inconsistent and often confusing guidance, our own CDC was prompted to retract accurate information about airborne spread. Called the World Health Organization, the WHO seems to favor some parts of the world over others. Okay. Uh, Well, they're saying that it's worse in India when it's not. They reportedly tried to bribe Madagascar to poison their artemisia and vitamin C. COVID organics, wow. They tried to bribe Madagascar to poison their artemisia and vitamin C. Then settled for bribing them to shut up about it instead. 
refused to address any questions about Taiwan, and when pressed, aborted the call, made a policy of censoring any reference to China or Taiwan on their Facebook page, quietly revised the definitions of the words pandemic and herd immunity, have participated in the ongoing suppression of everything shown to be effective in treating and preventing COVID-19, and appear to have worked with the CCP, that is the Chinese Communist Party, to clear their name with a cursory investigation into the origin of the bioweapon that basically concluded, quote, no harm, no foul, nothing to see at Wuhan lab, unquote. All right. And this is government, folks. This is science. This is Big Pharma. The article, I mean, the, yeah, the article's author is really top shelf. Next heading. More clinical trials are always needed. Yes, but they never do them. In the six weeks since they promised updated guidance on ivermectin to thousands of petitioners demanding to know why the drug has been excluded from the standard of care and exiled from even compassionate use, or at any point over the last year, the WHO could have conducted several trials to evaluate ivermectin's efficacy, if they truly had any questions about it and cared. But they didn't. Instead, they cherry-picked 16 studies of many that exist compiled the results of these studies into their own meta-analysis and instructed, quote, an independent international panel of experts, which includes clinical care experts in multiple specialties and also an ethicist, unquote, to evaluate the data, with a specific focus on the drug's impact on mortality, arriving at an opaque consensus without so much as a vote. <laughs> All right, this is democracy in action, folks. Bribery. Anonymous. This anonymous panel decided that, quote, evidence was rated as very low certainty primarily because of very serious imprecision for most outcomes. The aggregate data had wide confidence intervals and or very few events. There were also serious concerns related to risk of bias for some outcomes, specifically lack of bind, oh, blinding, rather lack of trial pre-registration, and lack of outcome reporting for one trial that did not report mechanical ventilation, despite pre-specifying it in their protocol publication bias, unquote. Of these 16 studies they cherry-picked to evaluate, they decided that all of them were unreliable because each had too small a sample size. And because each seemed to corroborate the results of the other, they must all have been biased. This is not how science works. Their own curated data indicates a dramatic reduction in mortality when ivermectin is administered, cutting the need for mechanical ventilation in half. Then, based on the result of a PCR test seven days into the treatment regimen, they suggest that, quote, ivermectin may increase or have no effect on viral clearance, unquote when literally no PCR test will show successful viral clearance after just seven days, recovered or not, or ever. Because the PCR test cannot be used for diagnosis. When their data demonstrates that ivermectin more than halved hospital admission, their takeaway is that, quote, the effect of ivermectin on hospital admission is uncertain, unquote. No, 50% means, I guess, 50-50 means uncertain, right? (laughs) 50% recovered, the other 50% didn't. That's way better than any other 
treatment offered by the CDC. A amazing, absolutely amazing. In a world less given to humoring idiocy, all things being equal, these conclusions would be purged from the discourse with uproarious laughter. But it's 2021, and instead, this poppycock will be cited in educated circles around the globe as justification to continue, quote, a standard of care that is anything but. The law today, folks, is trust your doctor. Next heading, a pattern of scientific malpractice. This is not the first time that science has been undermined to diminish the perception that COVID is a traceable or treatable disease. Last year, Surgisphere, I guess it's a company of some kind, Surgisphere, presumably altered real data to impugn the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine. From that same data set, a study on the described impressive results from ivermectin was published. As a result, both the corrupt HCQ trial and the positive study on ivermectin based on the same data were discredited along with the journal itself. (laughs) Yeah, right, okay. But discredited scientific journals continue publishing, change their minds from week to week, and uh, claim to be science. Similarly, the Lancet, New England Journal of Medicine, and the Journal of the American Medical Association have compromised the integrity of their journals by publishing laughably corrupt studies masquerading as peer-reviewed science. We have been admonished to listen to the experts while doctors, nurses, scientists, and medical health professionals say that anything that runs counter to the official narrative of the moment have been silenced on social media, censored by the establishment, ridiculed in the media, and had their licenses threatened. We continue to be told to trust the science, while evidently corrupt studies are hailed as the gold standard as good science is relegated to the accepted science bin, that is the trash can. And when even the rigged studies demonstrate some benefit from ivermectin, the data is dismissed as statistically insignificant. Well, I mean, is your life, whether you live or die, is that statistically significant to you? While credible studies are ignored by the mainstream media, jacked around by medical journals that waste precious time before refusing to publish them, and disputed by verified, quote-unquote, experts. This is the science we're living with today, folks. Uh, Disinformation parroted by official health agencies. There are so many easily disprovable things being cited by those who are charged with serving the interest of public health. It is almost difficult to keep track. Shall we count the ways? So here is uh, some false information put out by the, the, the Jews News. False. Dangerously high doses of ivermectin may be needed to treat COVID. Cited by the World Health Organization in the Philippines as recently as this week, and often repeated by our own FDA as disreputable news organizations like the New York Times, is the enormous or erroneous assumption that dangerously high doses of ivermectin may be required to affect viral clearance. Basing this misinformation on data from the Australian study, which used high concentrations of the drug, this is demonstratively false. 
the standard human dose given to children for head lice in the U.S., 150 micrograms per kilogram, that's 150 micrograms per kilogram of body weight, has been shown to be effective as treatment and as prophylactic for the better part of a year. One dose is effective for a better part of a year. And I've talked with several people who have been using ivermectin to clear the whatever infections they have. Sometimes you're so sick you can't wait around for uh, an MD to make a diagnosis. And you just got to go out and buy some ivermectin. There are many, many RCTs that confirm this. The idea that we don't know what dose to give COVID patients is countered by thousands of doctors fighting on COVID front lines, many of whom have not lost a single patient to COVID. Thank you very much. This is a wonderful report. Again, this is from seemorerocks.is. And the title is, When India Stopped Prescribing Ivermectin and Started Vaccinating, the Deaths Shot Up. Next false statement by mass media. Ivermectin is just a drug used on animals. From within a week of the Australian in vitro study coming out, ivermectin detractors have conflated human ivermectin with animal ivermectin, attempting to exploit the nuance of veterinary versus human applications to diminish the drug, muddying the waters about any efficacy by suggesting that ivermectin is only a, quote, a drug used on animals, unquote, or citing anecdotal evidence of desperate people self-medicating with animal formulations and overdosing on the drug. Well, I'm not aware of anybody overdosing on it. This flies in the face of decades of World Health Organization guidance, quote, that mass treatment with ivermectin is a great idea, actually, and underutilized in its capacity to eradicate parasites, scabies, and malaria. How about that? Again, they changed their mind in the face of this pandemic. Even the New York Times, which has acted as an anti-ivermectin advocacy group since early 2020, touted the drug as extraordinarily safe for both humans and animals in 2010 and said that the drug... Oops, sorry, scrolled down too far. And uh, said that the drug... <laughs> People need to, if they take it, should hope for the best, <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, take a dose and hope for the best, okay? Uh, so th they constantly change their minds. But uh, as I advised last time, if you ever have any doubt about the efficacy of any treatment, go back to 2010 or, or 2000 or even earlier and find out what the literature says about it in those days compared to today when everything that really works is being outlawed. Okay? Everything that really works is being outlawed, but only very recently. This should bring up a red flag when you see that all of a sudden these very safe drugs are suddenly supposedly dangerous. Okay, okay, and then they actually stated that the drug is considered safe enough to give to almost everyone except the youngest infants and pregnant women in 2019, but seemed to have forgotten that when they parroted FDA misinformation that the drug could cause serious harm in humans last year 
incidentally, slandering this author as a conspiracy mill (laughs) in their fervor to discredit my, quote, paranoid conspiracy theories about COVID. My paranoid conspiracy theory that it is a treatable disease. No, only vaccines can treat disease. That's the line that we're supposed to swallow today, folks. I'll just do one more of these false statements. False. Ivermectin is comparable to hydroxychloroquine. Unscrupulous actors have compared ivermectin to hydroxychloroquine, linking ivermectin to a drug that has been politicized since the moment it escaped Trump's lips on March in March of 2020 in an attempt to scandalize ivermectin and shame doctors who use it. The terrible irony here is that hydroxychloroquine does work against COVID when used in combination with zinc, prophylactically or at least early at early stages of the disease. It doesn't work nearly as well as ivermectin to treat and eradicate the disease, but if hydroxychloroquine plus zinc had been adopted as a standard of care from the date the former president suggested it, Hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of lives could have been spared and economies allowed to recover. Well said. Treating COVID early or using prophylaxis, whether with Zev Zelenko's protocol, IMASK Plus or Math Plus protocols, or the Gertner protocol, or with a host of treatments that have been shown to affect prophylaxis and improvement in the condition of COVID victims, is vastly preferable to sending COVID victims home and telling them to hope for the best and come back when you can no longer breathe comfortably so we can put you on a respirator and kill you and results in much better outcomes across the board. It is difficult for some people to understand how, if COVID is such a terrible disease that we must alter our entire lives and restructure Western society. So to, uh, to accommodate it, why this common sense about early treatment is being shunned by our health agencies, erased from the public discourse, derided by verified doctors, and mocked by our media. Presuming, as nobody really does anymore, that these entities have the welfare of the communities and our best interests at heart, how can it be against community standards for doctors to suggest people take vitamins? when they feel sick. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll just read I'll just read the headlines here. False. People taking ivermectin suffer from a false sense of security. Well, I mean if they feel better, <laughs> right? Is that a false sense of security if you feel better and aren't sick anymore? False. NIH says ivermectin should not be used to treat covid outside of clinical trials. Well, why don't they do the clinical trials? They never will. They absolutely never will, folks. False. Off-label drugs should not be used to treat COVID. Well, only drugs approved by the FDA and Big Pharma and uh, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds should ever be used. Heaven forbid that you brew some pine needle tea. All right, this is... This is the level of lying, deception that goes on in the world today. So let me just scroll down to the, toward the end. Why is this happening? Some believe treatments are being suppressed because Big Pharma has big plans to profit from vaccines. But this, again, 
gives the perpetrators of these crimes against humanity too much benefit of the doubt. While it's true that the experimental coronavirus vaccines could not be granted emergency use or, or authorization if treatments were recognized to exist, and therefore billions of dollars of investment in experimental vaccines might be jeopardized by official acknowledgement of ivermectin's efficacy. This is only the first of many neatly arranged dominoes that would start a cascading collapse of even bigger plans the masters of the universe hope to see following the mass vaccination campaigns. And as uh, Joe Biden uh, pronounced, uh, I believe today or, or yesterday, that uh, you, you, the general public, have two options. Either you get the shot or you wear your mask until you get the shot. <laughs> right? So those are your options. Either you get the shot or you keep wearing your mask until you get the shot. Or get shot. So, digital passports could not be implemented if there wasn't an imperative to mandate vaccination. Without digital passports, the criminals at the top of this pyramid of corruption cannot effectively carry out phase two of their pandemic agenda, complete societal reset. Yes, the Great Reset. Uh, I wonder if he talks about genocide, depopulation. Anytime you see things start to normalize it, Cases and fatalities dwindling, businesses opening, people taking off their masks and going about their lives. You may notice mainstream media talking about the positive environmental impacts of lockdowns, casually floating the idea of environmental lockdowns, or suggesting that racism is a deadly pandemic, laying groundwork to force populations to accept the draconian measures that have been put into place for the sake of mitigating the pandemic fake crisis for the sake of social justice issues. A page from Klaus Schwab's book explains why. All right, now we got the, the devil's number one sub-angel. 1.3, societal reset. Historically, this is Klaus Schwab. Pandemics have tested societies to their core. The 2020 COVID crisis will be no exception. Comparable to the economy, as we just saw, and geopolitics as well, we, we will see in the next chapter, the societal upheaval unleashed by COVID will last for years and possibly generations. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't they promise that COVID would eradicate it if you take the jab? Didn't they promise that? The most immediate and visible impact is that many governments will be taken to task with a lot of anger directed at those policymakers and political figures that have appeared inadequate or ill-prepared in terms of their response to dealing with COVID. And actually, it works both ways. Anger against those who are implementing these draconian measures, such as our governor here in Illinois. And by the way, the governor of Ohio has just implemented a plan to a, a, a lottery. Five people will win a million bucks if they enter the COVID, if they get the COVID jab. So I don't know how many people will, will have to get the jab before those five people are selected, but that's the plan in Ohio. Talk about bribery, folks. Every trick in the book. And he quotes Henry Kissinger. Oh, 
that wonderful poster child for the Jew world order. As Henry Kissinger observed, quote, Nations cohere and flourish on the belief that their institutions can foresee calamity, arrest its impact, and restore stability. When the COVID pandemic is over, many countries' institutions will be perceived as having failed. Yes, they are failing. <laughs> Unquote. This will be particularly true, continues Klaus Schwab, for some rich countries endowed with sophisticated health systems and strong assets in research, science, and innovation, where citizens will ask why their authorities did so poorly when compared to others, like in uh, Japan, uh, in those places where people get no uh, injections at all and have none of these diseases for their whole lives, living up to 110 years. In these, the very essence of their social fabric and socioeconomic systems may emerge and be denounced as the real culprit. Yes, they will. Guilty of failing to guarantee economic and social welfare for the majority of citizens. In poorer countries, the pandemic will exact a dramatic toll in terms of social costs. It will exacerbate the societal issues that already beset them, in particular poverty, inequality, and corruption. This could, in some cases, lead to extreme outcomes as severe as social and societal disintegration. Social refers to interactions between individuals or groups of individuals, while societal is the adjective that relates to society as a whole. So, has the lockdown improved anything, Mr. Schwab? Has it improved anything? Folks, this is psycho speech. This is Orwellian psychobabble. That's all it is. Orwellian psychobabble. Posturing as a solution to their manufactured pandemic. Action reaction solution. The good old the good old triumvirate of how to manipulate people and make them do what they don't want to do. This is what's going on in the world, folks. This is... <laughs> Captain S. how can Kissinger even still be alive? He probably isn't. <laughs> but his wrinkles will live on, right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and uh, five minutes of sun, and you produce enough vitamin D for the day, says Brother Hebert. That's a That's good advice. You need... Sunlight for natural, for, for natural vitamin D. Okay. Yeah, and you can take supplements of vitamin D. It's a high, I highly recommend it. As I've been saying to everybody, vitamins A, B, C, D, and E plus zinc. And I think I might uh, vitamin I, ivermectin. <laughs> Let's see. What, what, what's the E, what's F? We have to come up with uh, some... Good food, <laughs> GF, good food, and ivermectin, and uh, and uh, pine needle tea. Anything natural works better than anything synthetic, always. Anything natural will always work better than anything synthetic. Now, in fact, I think it's, uh, oh yeah, magnesium. Uh, most people are short on minerals. And so you should take a vitamin mineral supplement or mineral supplement along with your vitamins 
to in increase their effectiveness because vitamins and minerals work together. <laughs> Brother Abraham says, man cannot live by vitamins alone, but by the word of God. Amen. So we found out that India is not a, a country ravaged by funeral pyres. That's fake news, folks. Totally fake. The people on the ground say it's not happening. But it's more fear, fear porn by mass media. Nothing but fear porn. Folks, it's getting crazier and crazier. They have to make it crazier because they, the, the fear tactic, when, when the people that they have injected with fear finally get injected with the uh, Gates uh, vaccine, and have their DNA altered and start shedding their disease through their bioweaponization of this drug. Then they will claim that the that the pandemic is getting worse. But they kept promising that the vaccine is supposed to make things better. But it never does. It never does. Those are always false claims. Okay, so... Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit here and uh, go to uh, an item that's uh, on a, a different browser here. So let me switch browsers and see if I can get to the right one. Uh, an ad has popped up here. Son of a gun. It's not letting me open it. But here we go. This is it. The title of this article... And this is a very, very long article. So I'm not going to, you know, I'll spend the rest of the hour reading from it. So I'll probably jump around. But the title of this article is HCG found in WHO tetanus vaccine in Kenya raises concern in the developing world. What is HCG? Abstract. In 1993, the World Health Organization announced a, quote, birth control vaccine for family planning. Let me repeat this. In 1993, WHO announced a, quote, unquote, birth control vaccine for, quote, family planning Unquote. Now do you know what's really going on? <laughs> is, it, is it beginning to make sense what's really going on? This is a birth control depopulation event, and they've been working on this for decades, folks. Absolute decades. I think last week we talked about the whole process of bioweaponization was started by Bill Gates II, in conjunction with the military uh, bioweapons program. So now we're getting at the root cause. It's a military bioweapons program with the Gates family deeply involved. Deeply involved. Yes, organic gardening is probably the best thing you can do. We're going to, I'm telling you, we're going to have to, it's, it's time to make your own garden. Probably somewhere out in the woods. If you live in a, 
a big town, you're not going to be able to do such, such a thing in a big city unless you have a big old fence around your property to keep the critters and the uh, two-legged beasts out from you know, pillaging your garden. But your best bet is to get out of the big city. If you live in a small to medium-sized city, it's best to live on the outskirts, on a, on a side street or a back road where very few people travel. But if you live in a big city and uh, the hunger pangs of the blacks in the in the south and west side ghettos of Chicago, they're going to come rampaging through your neighborhood and stealing everything you have, including your food. Okay. So, since 1993, the World Health Organization has been doing birth control vaccine practice. They've been developing a birth control vaccine. Published research shows that by 1976, now we're going back uh, 20 years before, the World Health Organization researchers had conjugated tetanus toxoid, TT, with human chronic gonadotropin, HCG, producing a birth control vaccine. So they had combined the tetanus toxoid with human uh, chorionic gonadotropin, HCG. Let me try to pronounce that again. Human chorionic gonadotropin, I'll spend, spell cor, chorionic, C-H-O-R-I-O-N-I-C, chorionic gonadotropin, producing a birth control vaccine. So they combined a tetanus toxin with human, a, a human um, enzyme, apparently here, a hormone, a hormone. Conjugating TT with HCG causes pregnancy hormones to be attacked by the immune system. Oh, is that what's happening to women who are getting a jab, which we have reported on in previous episodes? Women having spontaneous abortions, vaginal bleeding, death. Is that what's going on here, folks? Expected results, again, this this combination attacks your immune system. Expected results are abortions in females already pregnant and or infertility in recipients not yet impregnated, okay? And we're being infertilized in numerous ways, and especially by these vaccines, folks, these vaccines. Repeated inoculations prolong infertility. Currently, the WHO researchers are working on more potent anti-fertility vaccines using recombinant DNA. That's what we've been reporting on, folks. That's the Gates vaccine. The Gates jab is going to restructure your DNA with synthetic hormones, synthetic uh, drugs, etc., etc., so that you'll eventually become a Borg. And they will, there's also injecting you with nanobots that uh, form little antenna-like uh, objects within your body. 
And these are obviously designed to re receive signals from 5G and other forms of radiation so that they can actually program you <laughs> or start a chain reaction in your body in which you really get sick. This is what they're doing. And since this all is woo-woo science, that most of it is not admitted to and not even reported on by anybody in, in mainstream, it will be a total mystery to everybody what's really going on. And so the, the Jews news will keep claiming that, oh, the World Health Organization is doing such a great job. The CDC is doing such a great job. No, they're not. They're killing us. They're making us sick. And they're making money off of us with these completely worthless injections. Completely worthless injections that are causing infertility, folks. Let me start this sentence over again. Currently, the WHO researchers are working on more potent anti-fertility vaccines, vaccines using recombinant DNA. WHO publications show a long-range purpose to reduce population growth in unstable, quote-unquote, less developed countries, unquote. I guess America is less developed than China. By November 1993, Catholic publications appeared saying that abortifacient vaccine was being used as a tetanus prophylactic. Wow. In November 2014, the Catholic Church asserted that such a program was underway in Kenya. Oh, isn't that where Gates was operating for to, to eradicate, quote-unquote, malaria? Three independent Nairobi-accredited biochemistry laboratories tested samples from vials of the WHO tetanus vaccine being used in March 2014 and found HCG where none should be present. In October 2014, six additional vials were obtained by Catholic doctors and were tested in six accredited laboratories. Again, HCG was found in half the samples. Subsequently, Nairobi's AgriQuest laboratory, uh, in, uh, in two sets of analyses, again found HCG in the same vaccine vials that tested positive earlier, but found no HCG in 52 samples alleged by the WHO to be vials of the vaccine used in the Kenya campaign, 40 with the same identifying batch numbers as the vials that tested positive for HCG. Given that HCG was found in at least half of the WHO vaccine samples known by the doctors involved in administering the vaccines to have been used in Kenya, our opinion is that the Kenya quote-unquote anti-tetanus campaign was reasonably called into question by the Kenya Catholic Doctors Association as a front for population growth reduction. Or how about population reduction? <laughs> There's the redundancy, population growth reduction. Introduction. The major study here. So uh, this is, I don't know how many pages long, but it's... Uh, it looks like it's uh, at least 20, 30 pages at least. 
introduction on November 6, 2014, the Kenya Conference of Catholic Bishops, which presides over Kenya Catholic Health Commission, established in 1957, issued a press release alleging that the World Health Organization was secretly using a birth control vaccine in its anti-tetanus vaccine campaign in Kenya from 2013 to 2015. A few days later, an article in the Washington Post followed with similar allegations quoting the Kenya Catholic Doctors Association. Such claims from sources in the Catholic Church prompted this case study of the WHO Kenya anti-tetanus campaign, along with a review of the World Health Organization research to develop an anti-fertility vaccine. Many published papers, which were found in web of science and PubMed databases, document WHO experimental research with various anti-fertility vaccine conjugates. Again, it's human chorionic gonadotropin. Human chorionic gonadotropin, HCG. So, again, going back in time, we find that this stuff is real, but today it's all denied. In the background, as a submit, as a subunit of the United Nations, the World Health Organization has also been pursuing the global objective of reducing worldwide population, primarily through family planning and contraception. In this paper, our main focus is on just one of the WHO contraceptive vaccines, and more specifically, on speculation about whether or not it was developed or deployed by the WHO in the five administrations of tetanus vaccine in the Kenya campaign of 2013 to 2015. Here we examine the relevant research and the best laboratory data available to us in order to form our best guess, the informed opinion in which the authors concur concerning what the WHO may have actually done in recent completed Kenya vaccination campaign. Acknowledging from the beginning that our investigation involves inferences from incomplete and partial data because they're not going to give you any real data, it is our opinion that all the parties involved in the family planning work of the World Health Organization need to be fully informed and held accountable, I added those last three words. Because, as we will report here, some samples of the tetanus vaccine used by the WHO in Kenya, tested by the KCCB and KCDA, contained a WHO, quote, birth control component, ethical and moral questions must be raised. First among them is the do-no-harm caveat. If, as suspected by the Catholic doctors, mothers-to-be were misled into accepting an anti-fertility vaccine, in the hope of protecting their future children from a neonatal tetanus, the do-no-harm, and I'm sure that's what's going on with the so-called malaria vaccines being promoted by Gates Incorporated in Africa, the do-no-harm caveat was violated. In receiving up to five anti-fertility injections, any mothers to would-be almost certainly be robbed of the very children they were trying to protect from the neonatal tetanus. Indeed, they can't get tetanus if they never live. If the suspicions were valid, there would be also an ethical breach of the obligation on the side of the World Health Organization to obtain informed consent from these Kenyan girls and women. If the patient is conscious and competent, known risks are universally supposed to be disclosed. 
You know that never happens. The underlying principle at issue comes down ultimately to the golden rule of treating others the way we ourselves would want to be treated. Oh, golden rule? What's that? That doesn't apply in medicine. Probably never did. Do adolescent and mature women have the right to know if they are about to receive an anti-fertility vaccine? Or alternatively, does the WHO have the prerogative to administer such a vaccine as a tetanus prophylactic without disclosing its anti-fertility aspect? Well, these are questions, moral questions, which the UN is not interested in. Simply not interested in. Why? Because Jews like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers control Big Pharma. And, of course, Bill Gates is a Jew also. This is the Jewish campaign to eradicate the 6.5 billion people and leave only 500 million left alive. The Georgia Guidestones. So I'm going to drop down to the second category here, the second headline heading, Methodologies and Materials. Following the news reports in 2014 from the KCCB and the KCDA, these are uh, Kenyan Catholic organizations, claiming that the WHO vaccination campaign advertised to, quote, eliminate maternal and neonatal tetanus, unquote, was suspected of vectoring a birth control product into women of childbearing age, some of us began researching the web of science for published research concerning anti-fertility vaccine, birth control vaccine, and for tetanus toxoid and human chorionic gonadotropin, sometimes following up titles in the PubMed database. Our question was whether the WHO was engaged in developing a birth control vaccine linking TT to HCG. What was the research basis, if any, for the KCDA suspicions that WHO might be using an anti-fertility vaccine in Kenya? To what extent had they been including anti-fertility drugs such as squalene in vaccines everywhere and anywhere? Squalene destroys your immune system, yet squalene is included in many vaccines. We found a plethora of studies beginning with the linking of TT to beta-HCG by WHO researchers in the 1970s. We also found policy statements by the WHO and its collaborators stating that the geopolitical and economic goal of population growth reduction is in unstable, less developed countries, which includes Kenya, known to be rich in costly minerals resources needed by the developed nations. These initial findings gave credence to the suspicion that the World Health Organization may have disguised the clinical trial of their birth control vaccine in Kenya as an effort to eliminate maternal and neonatal tetanus there, that is, to eliminate Kenyans. Given the published research confirming the history of the WHO birth control vaccine, the American and Canadian co-authors decided to contact Dr. Wahom Nagari, who had been quoted in some of the published reports about WHO campaign in Kenya. He put the rest of us in touch with Dr. Stephen Karanja, another of the physicians required by the Kenya Ministry of Health to participate in the WHO vaccine campaign. They agreed to join us as co-authors to provide access to the data from laboratory tests 
of the vaccine being used in the Kenya campaign. Together with the KCDA, they have assured us of the integrity of the chain of custody of the particular samples, carefully apportioned aliquots of WHO vaccine that they were personally involved in collecting, apportioning, and distributing to accredited Nairobi laboratories. In this report, we merely summarize the results of the laboratory tests now in the public domain. We also provide access to all three of the reports presented and to the WHO and Ministry of Health in Kenya, etc., etc. Okay, so with all the foregoing in mind, what they conclude? Several points. Point number one, documenting the history and goals of the World Health Organization. Various geopolitical and economic reports and policy statements from the WHO, the United Nations, and affiliated governmental agencies, in particular the U.S. Agency for International Development, set a high premium on contraception for family planning in certain less developed regions of the world. Well, America is a less developed region of the world, at least according to the Rothschilds. And the world Jewish population, average Jew is way richer than the average American. In examining the published scientific research, news reports from the Catholic Church about the WHO vaccination campaign going on in Kenya spurred us to seek out the published research in professional journals. Was it true that the WHO had been engineering vaccines linking TT with HCG? This methodology led us to a trial of published research beginning around 1972, growing into many publications cited thousands of times, showing that the WHO has been pursuing contraceptive vaccine research as claimed by the KCDA. So again, if you go back in time and do the research, you can put the lie to the idea that they're not trying to kill us. Point number three, tracking the reported events in Kenya. Our third methodology was a form of investigative journalism. Materials consisted of the news reports coming back from Kenya set in chronological order with information from the two preceding methodologies on the theory that concordance between such different streams of information is unlikely to occur by chance. So if an infertility drug is actually being administered, well, news reports will show an increase in infertility. It can't be chance, can it? Of course it can. (laughs) If Big Pharma says it's chance, if the fable of evolution says it's chance, it must be chance. There can't be any connection. Now, now, interestingly, when uh, they claim there's a connection between COVID and when you get sick, it's got to be scientific. When they claim uh, that the, the shot causes disease, no, that can't be scientific. That can't be scientific, okay? So a clear double standard by the entire industry. Number four, comparing vaccination schedules for tetanus and anti-fertility. Our fourth method involved a thought experiment applying the simplest type of mathematical probative tests for a variety of Euclidean congruence. Okay, these guys know their stuff. Euclidean congruence. (laughs) I never heard of that. 
The KCDA claimed that the WHO dosage schedule of five shots administered in six-month increments was inconsistent with published tetanus vaccination schedules. So they administered more of the drug than they said they would. So our simple probative test was to compare the published vaccination schedules for TT, T with the published schedules for TT, and beta, which is the HCG. Calling the schedule used in Kenya K and taking equal to mean congruent, if T is not equal to beta, but B equals K and K is not equal to T, it follows that K is a dosage schedule appropriate to TT and HCG, the WHO anti-fertility vaccine. The simple test of congruence of dosage schedules is not conclusive proof by itself, but it is consistent with the opinion of the authors that the WHO followed a dosage schedule appropriate for TT, HCG in Kenya, but inappropriate for TT vaccine. Okay? So the the dosage was designed to inflict HCG, not just tetanus. Number five, laboratory analyses of the WHO vaccines. With the assistance of the KCDA, we analyzed the actual reports of laboratory tests of vials of the Kenya vaccine obtained by the KCDA as vouched for by Ngari and Karanja during the actual vaccination campaign. So they actually got some of this stuff, some of the vaccine. Those laboratory results were systematically compared with analyses of samples provided later by WHO officials, allegedly from supplies maintained in Nairobi. Two sources were tested. A, vials of the vaccine obtained by the KCDA from among those being administered by the WHO in March and October of 2014. And B, 52 additional vials handed over by the WHO from supplies in Nairobi to the Joint Committee of Experts. Okay, so you know, once the World Health Organization is aware that an analysis of samples is going on, guess what? Do you think they're going to provide the real stuff? I don't think so, folks. Of the samples that co-authors Karanja and Nagare were personally responsible for handling, Over half were found to contain HCG by multiple laboratories and in multiple distinct tests. Okay? Let me repeat this. Of the samples that co-authors Karanja and Ngari were personally responsible for handling, that is, the ones that were being administered to the women and girls, over half were found to contain HCG by multiple laboratories and in multiple distinct tests tests. I would say, folks, that that is what is called science. The KCDA has also provided access to the public domain reports and the technical data published for wider accessibility here for the first time in a professional academic forum. Of the 52 samples provided by the WHO to the Joint Committee, none were found to contain HCG. Hmm, as I suspected. And of those, 40 vials delivered after a lapse of 58 days. So it took them 58 days to deliver the goods by the WHO, allegedly containing the Kenya TT vaccine, tested negative for HCG, 
but had exactly the same designator labels as the three vials obtained by the KCDA during vaccinations taking place in October of 2014 that tested positive. The discrepancies require explanation and are addressed in the discussion section following the results section. Okay, so folks, here is real science taking place by independent scientists, in this case, a group of Catholic doctors who suspect the hokey pokey. Section number three, results. I see Henry Kissinger's name coming up again. In this section, we discuss the findings from each of the listed methodologies, taking them in the order just presented in the previous section. One, documenting the history and goals of the World Health Organization. We know, of course, in the identity movement, that the World Health Organization and the UN are totally controlled by the Jewish banksters, Rothschilds, Rockefellers, etc., And the only purpose of those organizations, they're not governmental organizations. Nobody elected these people at the UN or at the WHO. They are all selected by the Rothschilds. We found documentation connecting decades of work by the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and the United Nations, the parent organization for the WHO, making reduction in world population growth, especially in regions such as Kenya, a central goal. The WHO was established in 1945 and immediately embraced the idea that family planning, that is population control or reduction, alias population control, later referred to as Planned Parenthood, there's a Gates uh, family involved again, was a necessity for world health. Now, why is that? I mean, uh, pandemics come and go, and the world and the population kept increasing. So obviously, the pandemics weren't affecting population. But the problem they have is the increase in population, which they claim will affect their their own. Uh, how, how should I put this? Their own earthly paradise, because there's too many of us to spoil their paradise. The notion that fertility reduction was essential dated back to Margaret Sanger's first birth control clinic in the U.S., which was established in 1916 and has been carried forward all the way to this present time of writing. Now, I'm pretty sure that one was established in New York City. And very recently, within the last couple of years, that clinic took Margaret Sanger's name off the building. Because now her name is Mud. Contemporaneous with the WHO's initiation of research to develop anti-fertility vaccines, under the leadership of Henry Kissinger, Zionist par excellence, a classified report was being compiled on the basis of population growth studies predating it by several decades. The Kissinger Report, also known as the U.S. National Security Study Memorandum 200, explained the geopolitical and economic reasons for reducing population growth, especially in less developed countries, LDCs, to near zero. (laughs) Okay, now that's interesting because for decades, the, the UN 
has been responsible for increasing the population of these countries by providing them with our tax dollars and providing them with food and roads and hospitals, etc., etc., etc. So while all this was going on, they were planning on reducing the population eventually. But in the meantime, they were giving us the bill for population growth in Africa. And this is a direct assault on us, absolutely no doubt. So now, when since they've developed this anti-fertility drug, it's ready. It's being shipped out, and it's being injected into people, and it has horrible effects on women. The results are showing, folks. The results are showing. <laughs> Adolf Richter. Oh, okay. That's not Margaret Sanger. Okay, that was somebody else. So anyway, the interesting thing, the ironic thing is that the very thing that the left and the Jews criticize Hitler for, namely a population reduction, <laughs> is what they promote. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? But of course, Jews think that he was only exterminating Jews. No, there was no extermination program, folks. None whatsoever. But this is for real. This extermination program is happening and has been in the works ever since Margaret Sanger got the idea. That's reality. Everything else reported in mass media is nothing but lies. So, Margaret Sanger... And I think actually Margaret Sanger wanted to eliminate Jews too, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Uh, the undesirables, the deplorables. At one time, Jews were considered deplorables. Now they run everything and own everything, so they can't be deplorables. Contemporaneous with the WHO's initiation of research to develop anti-fertility vaccines under the leadership of Henry Kissinger, this report was issued. This is the U.S. National Security Study Memorandum 200. Hmm. Did they call the, uh, in 2019, they, what did they call it? Project 200? Something like that? Or 201? I forget. Explain the geopolitical and economic reasons for population reduction. Okay. Following the, uh, the, uh, advice of Margaret Sanger. That report became official U.S. policy under President Gerald Ford in 1975 and explicitly dealt with, quote, effective family planning programs, unquote, for the purpose of, quote, unquote, reducing fertility in order to protect the interests of the industrialized nations, especially the U.S., in imported mineral resources. Oh, in other words, kill the Kenyans so we can take their minerals. Well, that's what the Rothschilds have always been doing. That's what they've been doing to the South Africans all along, while decreasing the numbers of white South Africans and increasing the numbers of black South Africans. Although the whole plan was initially withheld from the public, it was declassified in stages between 1980 and 1989. In the meantime, while that document was on its way to becoming official policy, 
The WHO research program developing birth control vaccines was initiated about 1972 and presented publicly in 1976, just one year after the Kissinger Report was adopted as official policy. Okay, so here again we see globalist Jews behind all of this population reduction genocide that's going on right now. The official policy called for far greater efforts at fertility control, page 19, worldwide, but especially in less developed countries. So again, it's ironic that they were using the tax money extracted, extorted from white countries, and were using it to feed and grow the population of third world countries, such as in Africa. But that policy was simply designed to overtax and overburden white people because they knew they could eliminate the population they were were increasing at any time they wanted to with this infertility drug. So they were using our tax money to overwhelm us. And and then, of course, I'm I'm absolutely positive that the so-called Third world migration into white nations is part of the plan also, okay, to destroy our morale, etc., and to have white women being raped and have uh, Muslims and others from the third world murder, rob, and rape us. That was part of the plan too. So now that that's all over and done with, or that part of the plan is in full swing, now it's time to just reduce the population now that they have fully developed their anti-fertility drugs and administered in the guise of a quote-unquote healing vaccine. So, the Kissinger Report cited documents about, quote, population growth and the American future, unquote, as well as population resources and the environment and targeted LDCs specifically for fertility control. Justifying certain LDC targets were their own, their known reserves of aluminum, copper, iron, lead, nickel, tin, uranium, zinc, chromium, vanadium, magnesium. These are not supplements, folks. These are minerals, the mineral wealth of these countries. Phosphorus, potassium, cobalt, manganese, molybdenum, tungsten, titanium, sulfur, nitrogen, petroleum, and natural gas. Now, folks, still, white people are being blamed for taking these minerals out of these countries. But here, it's the World Health Organization. It's the United Nations doing it. So they had to eliminate the presence of the white colonial countries so that we couldn't reap the benefits of these minerals, the mineral wealth, so that the Jews could. The linking of mineral resources with population control, i.e. family planning, was because the industrialized nations were already having to import significant quantities of the named minerals at considerable cost, right? So if if you can steal it, you don't have to pay for it. That's exactly what the Roman Empire did with Britain. So instead of buying minerals... What was the major uh, tin 
So instead of buying tin from the British, Caesar said, oh, well, here, let's just make war against them and take it. We'll have all the tin we need. And we'll have to pay for it. The same exact policy is being instituted here by the United Nations. Don't you know? Excuse me. Got a tickle in my throat. So, exactly what we, the white colonial nations, have been accused of doing and have been condemned for over and over and over again is being done by the United Nations, folks. By the United Nations. The linking of mineral resources with population control was because, of course, the Jews wanted it <laughs> and wanted to take it away from those people. And they could always import more people to dig the stuff out of the ground. The Kissinger Report also blamed population growth for pollution far in advance of the 2009 issue of the WHO Bulletin, where Bryant et al. predicted, quote, a significant increase of greenhouse gas emissions, so global warming, 2009. That WHO publication estimated a rise in global population from around 6.8 billion people in 2009 to 9.2 billion by 2050. Extending that WHO argument, Bill Gates in 2010 expressed the hope that vaccines, along with family planning, could bring population growth to nearer to zeros. In other words, to level off the population where there's no longer any increase. But these people want to reduce the population, not just stop population growth. Whereas Bryant et al. described anti-fertility measures as, quote, voluntarily family planning services, unquote, they acknowledged that such who services had been reported as deceiving the persons served with, quote, sterilization procedures being applied without full consent of the patient, unquote. You think they would do that to us too? No. We're an advanced country. We're not a lower economic, a less developed country. No, they wouldn't do it to us. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Captain Witness said, tin has always been hard to get. It's very useful for making hardened lead bullets. Okay, very good. Okay, yeah, our nation has definitely been co-opted. <laughs> All right, so we are we are living in crazy times. Yes, the Jews will always do something. Well, they did something. They stole the election, right? That's always big. The Jews don't mess around. They always do something in style, big style. They kill massively, such as the Bolshevik Revolution, such as the French Revolution, such as staging wars. When the Jews decide to kill people, they do it massively. They don't fool around. So they admit that some of these people, the vast majority of them, you know, do any of the in the third world do any of these victims of vaccination are they given full 
disclosure of what's contained in these vaccines? That never happens, folks. It never happens. Sterilization procedure being applied without full consent of the patient. Amen. That's what's happening, folks. Even in America, even in Europe, it's happening everywhere, not just the less developed countries. Similarly, a 1992 study uh, entitled Fertility Regulating Vaccines, published by the UN and WHA Program of Research Training in Human Reproduction, reported, quote, cases of abuse in family planning programs, unquote, dating from the 1970s, including incentives, <laughs> incentivize your doctors to administer vaccines, right? Offer them free donuts. Uh, enter them into a, a million-dollar lottery. Such as women being sterilized without their knowledge, being enrolled in trials of oral contraceptives or injectables without consent, and not being informed of possible side effects of the intrauterine device. Yeah, I've heard bad things about that as well. The authors of that WHO report said that the phrases like family planning and Planned Parenthood were more acceptable to the public, yeah, than population reduction, genocide. How about that word? They chose not to mention, quote, anti-fertility measures for population control, unquote. Nor did they think it wise to talk about economic development in mineral-rich LDCs or the assistance industrialized nations could provide in bringing those mineral resources to market. So here we see clear evidence, folks, that the Jews, by uh, making every white colonial country get out of Africa and other third world countries, they fully intended to take over those countries and get those resources from for themselves without having to beg, borrow, steal from the middlemen white nations that dug it out. The Rothschilds and other Jews already control the petroleum industry, which, by the way, uh, creates a lot of our so-called pharmaceuticals, right? So the the pharmaceutical industry and the uh, petroleum industry are connected at the hip and even at the head. Siamese twins both run by Jews. Speaking for the World Health Organization, Bryant et al. wrote, quote, it's perhaps more conducive to a rights-based approach to implement family planning programs in response to the welfare needs of people and communities rather than in response to international concern for global overpopulation. Well, yeah, do not tell people that your purpose is to depopulate. (laughs) Tell them your purpose is to heal them. The WHO public message was to be about health and family planning. However, the message of hope would occasionally include a reference to birth control vaccines. Hmm. For instance, in January 22, 2010, it was officially announced that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had committed $10 billion to help accomplish the WHO population reduction goals in part with, quote, new vaccines. Infertility vaccines, folks. Infertility vaccines. About a month later, Bill Gates suggested in his Innovating to Zero TED Talk in Long Beach, California, on February 20, 2010, 
that reducing world population growth could be done in part with, quote, new vaccines. At 4 minutes and 29 seconds into the talk, he says, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Here he is almost quoting Bryant et al. Now, if we really do a great job on new vaccines, <laughs> health care, scratch that, there is no health care involved, reproductive health services such as abortion and infertility, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. In how much time? A year? A decade? Given the published intentions of the WHO and its collaborators concerning population growth reduction, let's just call it what it is, genocide, we focus attention next on the published scientific literature from the Web of Science and PubMed about the WHO anti-fertility vaccine research program. Okay, so uh, with a few, about 10 minutes left, Again, this, I'm only about a quarter of the way through this article, so I'm going to highly recommend this to everybody because this is proof positive that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and all of the usual suspects, that is the Jew corporations, are trying to murder us on the pretext of you know, giving us better health. That's all that this is about. So this, the website is script.org forward slash journal forward slash paper information dot ASPX. It's, it's too long to repeat here. So I'll put a copy of this article as part of the upload when I upload this uh, radio show uh, some, sometime tonight after the show. So, uh, and let me just scroll back so I I can uh, get the title again. HCG found in WHO tetanus vaccine. HCG found in WHO tetanus vaccine. So you can search for that title. I'm sure it'll come up. So this is the second point of analysis. Examining the published scientific research. A search on the Web of Science and PubMed for tetanus toxoid and beta-HCG led to publications by WHO researchers spearheaded by G.P. Talwar, T-A-L-W-A-R. After his first report appeared in 1976 in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, the number of citations of the stream of publications emanating from that WHO research program would begin to grow exponentially by August 5th, 2016, the Web of Science database already pointed to 150 research publications citing the 1976 report, while subsequent papers have now been cited many thousands of times. So, we see an increase in these types of publications of an infertility vaccine in development. Mass media has nothing to say about it then or now. And you want to tell me there's no conspiracy? Well, if a Jew says there's no conspiracy, there's no conspiracy. By August 5, 2016, the Web of Science database already pointed to 150 research publications citing 
1976 report, while subsequent papers have now been cited many thousands of times. Figure 1 shows citations through 2015 of just one of the follow-up papers by Talwar et al. This one from 1994, titled, quote, A Vaccine That Prevents Pregnancy in Women. So journalists, so-called, in juicery media, don't know about these things? They're not doing their jobs. Or, as we know, are they being told not to report on these things? It also appeared in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences and by January 9, 2016, according to the Web of Science, had already been cited 2,538 times. So at least 2,538 academicians have cited it, but not a single journalist. Very interesting. We focus attention next on findings from a forensic journalism methodology, laying out the chronology connecting the World Health Organization anti-fertility research agenda to the 2013 to 2015 vaccination campaign in Kenya. I would say these authors have thoroughly documented that this research program has existed at the UN during all this time, beginning roughly around 1972. So now they're getting back to Kenya in uh, item number three, tracking the reported events in Kenya. Figure two actually begins with milestone events leading up to and through the WHO campaign in Kenya. Event one in the top row represents the population reduction efforts of Margaret Sanger beginning in 1916. She described the goal to purify the gene pool by eliminating the unfoot, uh, right, unfoot, unfit, deplorables, persons with disabilities. And they, and they want to accuse the Nazis of doing that when they themselves are doing it? They're giving the Nazis a good name. This meant establishing some means of surgical sterilization or otherwise preventing, quote-unquote, unfit persons from reproducing. So, the World Health Organization and the United Nations and all these academics are pursuing the same goal that they accuse the Nazis of doing. Yet, nobody's calling them out. And we know, of course, that there was no extermination campaign in Germany under Hitler, none whatsoever. There may have been a few experiments done on people, but none of these were fatal. But look at medicine today. Talk about experimentation on humans. The Israelis cutting organs out of uh, unwilling donors. What the Jew World Organization is doing is a thousand times worse than anything the Nazis ever did. Yet nobody talks about it. Figure one, a bar graph generated from the Web of Science showing growth through 2015 in the number of citations of the 1994 paper titled, quote, A Vaccine That Prevents Pregnancy in Women, unquote, published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences and authored by G.P. Talwar, and some of the same co-authors in the 1976 paper also in the Proceedings 
of the National Academy of Sciences that debuted the first human testing of a WHO anti-fertility conjugate of the beta chain of human chorionic gonadotropin with tetanus toxoid. Okay, this is what is being injected into us right now, folks. It's not just Kenya. It's at your local drugstore. It's at your local doctor's office. This infertility drug is what they're injecting into us, folks. They call it COVID. By 1942, the American Birth Control League, having been publicly criticized as anti-family and pro-promiscuity, words used by Mike Wallace while interviewing Sanger on September 21, 1957, changed its name to Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger at the helm from 1952 to 1959. In the period from 1945 to 1948, after World War II had ended, while the WHO was being conceptualized and becoming the first worldwide subordinate agency under the auspices of the UN, Planned Parenthood, headed up by Bill Gates' father, was promoting the idea that population growth, unless halted or reduced by governmental intervention, would inevitably lead to worldwide famine. It has not led to famine because white farmers have continued to produce more food than we can possibly consume. Disease, it has not led to more disease. What has led to disease is the unequal distribution of resources by the super-rich, not by white people, by the Jewish middleman depriving populations of the goods. By acting as middlemen between countries, such as what happened in the Philippines three or four years ago, where Filipinos could not even buy locally produced goods produce because it was all being shipped overseas and so they had to buy from the Jewish middleman for the food they they consumed just like the the so-called campaign I was going to say sterilization effectively it is sterilization uh, the Irish genocide where they stole the potato crop from the farms of the Irish workers, Irish farmers, and sent it to Britain, letting the Irish farmers starve. That's what spurred the uh, uh, exodus of Irish to America. It was a deliberate campaign of genocide by the Jews who controlled Britain. And that's what this is, folks. So, these people pretend to be our saviors, but we know that just as Nahash fooled Eve into thinking that she would become a goddess, they made her sick unto death. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. You got a healthy dose of truth tonight. Take care. Yahweh bless everybody. never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. 
government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James.